0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called 40 Days of Love. Today, we will be going over three laws of love God has placed us here on this earth to ultimately become more like Him. One of our greatest goals is to be a reflection of His love to this world. Our scripture text comes from 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Today's message is entitled, Love Matters Most.
1: We're a culture that's saturated with stuff. Years ago, when I used to work for this very wealthy man, he would always tell me, he said, you know, the more money you have, the more stuff you get, and the more stuff you get, the more responsibilities you have, and he said, it ain't as easy as you think, and I always said, well, let me just try it for a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. But you get a, this whole focus in our culture on the accumulation of stuff. And now, you know, our world has been rocked economically here in the last year, year and a half. And there's all kinds of reevaluation about stuff and, and the accumulation of stuff. But we can get focused on trying to accomplish, setting our goal and our fix on being successful and achievements in life and rewards and prizes and grades and all these different kinds of things that can knock us off track of the greatest goal to love. Have you ever wondered why God made you and then just, like, let you go to heaven? Has anyone ever had the thought, like, hey, God, like, why do we got to go through all this? I mean, life is so full of pain, and there's problems, and it's not always that way, but all of us experience it. All of us experience problems. All of us experience trials, and I mean, we've all had to pray, oh, God, why? Why, God? Why is this happening? Why, God, is it so hard? We, we've we all had those kinds of prayers. God, why don't you just let me go to heaven? God, why don't you just come back now? You know, I remember as a kid, I remember praying this prayer. You know, I'd have a big test that I knew that I couldn't pass. And so, like, I'd get my life. I'd go to church on Wednesday because I know I'd have a test coming up on Friday. I said, Jesus, please come before my big test. You know what I'm talking about prayed, oh Jesus, come let the rapture come. But then you didn't really want the rapture come because you weren't quite sure you're going to make it. So you were a little bit conflicted inside. But you ever thought that, well God, why didn't you just, why didn't you just, you know, create us and let us go to heaven? But that, that's not what it's about. God has placed us on this planet so that we could become like Him. And the stuff of life as a Christian affords us and enables us the opportunity to learn what it is to become like God. See, we're created in his image, we're made in his image. Now we'll never be like we'll never be God, we'll never be a God, but we're created in his image to become like him, to be his reflection of love to the world. That's why God doesn't just create us and take us to heaven. He wants us to learn how to love. He wants us to experience life and to grow in this understanding. You see, a God-motivated and active and lived love. We call this agape love. Now, last week I talked about the four or five different words that are used for love in the classical Greek language. Can anyone give me one of the words that we used for love last week? Oh, you got, you got to, too quick. You got to save that one. All right, give me another one. Eros. Okay, it's a sensual, sexual kind of love. I mean, all these songs, I was reading the top list. I mean, the top 100 songs, like the first 10 of them, they're all about sensual kind of love. Can't even repeat the titles of some of them. We understand this one. What's another kind of love? Phileo. Phileo is the word that we give Philadelphia from. It's a familiar love. It's a family love. It's a friendly love. We, we're friends with one another. What was another word that we use? All right, another one was the word storge. Everyone says storge. All right, not just some, I love chocolate. You know, I love that TV program. Oh, I love that dress. Oh, I love your haircut. You know, I mean, we, we use love in those, that kind of context that it really loses its power and its meaning in our life. But in the Bible, the primary way that love was used, other than phileo, but the primary way that love was used was with this concept and understanding of agape. God's love. His incredible love for you and I. And so as the doctor of love this morning, I'm going to give you three laws of love. Everyone say, doctor of love. Oh, we're going to be a doctor of love this morning. We're going to talk to you about these three laws of love that will help us to grow and to understand that love matters most in our life. The first law of love is the best use of my life is love. The best use of my life is love. You see, God says you need to make learning how to love your number one priority. Your primary objective, your greatest ambition, your main purpose for living. But why does God say that? Why does God say that? It's a fair question. Why does God want you to love? The first reason that God wants us to love is because love validates my faith. Everyone say that with me. Love validates my faith. Now that's a big word. That's a $25 word that just simply means to confirm it makes it real. Love validates your faith. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, love is really the proof that you are part of God's family. I mean, people can call themselves Christians. People can identify with a church or religious organization. But if they hold hatred in their heart for any reason towards another person, God says that you're not one of His. And I don't care. I don't care what they call themselves. I don't care how much money they give. I don't care how many times they go to church. If a person holds hatred in their heart towards another person, they can't love God. It's the big block. It's the big, big, big block. And let me tell you, it's all over the planet. People hate one another for all kinds of reasons. People hate one another for economic reasons. People hate one another for nationality reasons. People hate one another because of geographical reasons. People hate one another because of pride. People hate one another because of hurt. People have all kinds of reasons that they don't like other people. But God says if you're going to be one of my children. You are going to have to love Listen to 1 John chapter 4. This is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. The Bible says, but if we say we love God and hate others, we're a liar. For we cannot love God whom we've not seen if we do not love others whom we have seen. Love, it validates your faith. When you go to the ATM machine and you put your little card in, what does it ask you for? It asks you for what? What? Oh, I can't, come on, it asks you for, are you paying attention, it asks you for what? Why does it want your PIN number? It wants to validate that you are who you say you are. You're going to take a trip, you go down to the airport, you pull up to the ticket counter, and they ask for your what? And they look at your picture because they want to validate that you are who you say you are. Then you go to the TSA screening booth, and they want to see your license because they want to do what? They want to validate. And then maybe you even get down to the airplane before you get on. Someone else stops you and they want to see your driver's license so that they can do what? They want to validate. They want to know that you are who you say you are. Just because a person says that they're a Christian doesn't make them a Christian any more than you and I. Walking into a garage makes us an automobile. It just doesn't work like that. You see, love is the key characteristic of the Christian life. You see, love this morning is the dominant theme of the message of the good news. You see, because not only does love validate, but love also integrates my life. Love integrates my life. Integrating our life together to become whole and to complete. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. Love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. It integrates us. The dominant principle of love integrates us. It integrates our sex life, our money life, our pleasure, our staying healthy, all these things that people run after and pursue to try and find fulfillment. When love becomes the highest goal, everything else makes sense. When love isn't the highest goal of your life, your life becomes scattered, your life becomes confused, your life becomes painful, your life becomes all kinds of challenges with with fragmentation. But when love becomes the center of your life, Your life becomes integrated. It becomes whole. And God wants you to be whole. God wants you to be complete. God wants you to be in relationship with Him and enjoy fellowship with Him forever. You see, if you don't have your life rooted in God's love, when the shaking comes, When the test comes, when the problems come, when the pain comes, when the economic challenges face you in your life, when God isn't the center of your life and love of him isn't your primary focus, your world begins to shake. And then so many people turn their attention to the wrong thing. They look to a president to fix their problem. They look to a politician to, look to fix their problem. They, they look to a parent to fix their problem. They look to everyone but the person who can fix their problem, the king. And then some people get mad at the king. Some people get mad at the only person who is the solution to their problem. They shake their fist and they want to say, I don't believe. Or, God, why did you do this? And the whole time they're missing the point. That God cares so much. And He's making them to His image. And if they would just surrender. I don't know about you guys. But I find this the challenge in my life. It's way easier to talk about love. It's way easier to read scriptures on love. It's way easier to sing about love. Than it is to walk it out. To actually walk it out. And demonstrate the love of God. Why love? You see love compensates for my sin. Love compensates for my sin. Look at 1st Peter chapter 4 verse 8 in your notes it says most important of all continue to show deep love for each other. Did you hear that? Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Continue to show love. To can continue to show love two things. First of all, God's love to us. This verse tells us God's amazing love to us. We sang it. I can't even remember. Where's Titus? That one song that we were singing, I'm going to love you, or whatever that song was. And we were talking, we were actually singing what God says about us. God says, I love you. I love you. The greatest demonstration of love that mankind has ever known and ever seen was demonstrated on the cross. On the cross. You see, this morning, it was at the cross of Calvary that God demonstrated his love towards us. While we were rebellious, while our lives were a wreck, while some of us hated him and blamed him and were angry at him, God says, I love you. I love you. I love you. Love covers a multitude of sins. You have to hear this this morning. you got to hear the heart of God. You see, when you fall, when you stumble, when you make mistakes, when you sin, when you go the wrong direction, two things potentially happen in your life as a Christian. One is that you feel convicted. You say, oh, God, I sinned. I made a mistake. God, I wasn't right. I I know I shouldn't have done it. God, forgive me. The second thing that potentially can happen is that you start to feel condemned. You start beating yourself up. You start, I can't believe I did that again. I'm so stupid. Why, Why God? I don't understand. Why do you love me? And that shame that the enemy of your soul brings against you. You see, the way to discern between the two is that conviction draws you to God and realizes your need for a Savior, for His cleansing. There is a fountain that's filled with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. You see, the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses and makes us whole. The conviction of God draws us to repentance. That's His great love. Someone said amen. Oh, Amen! you ought to get up and shout over that one. You see, this morning, if God's love doesn't cover you, you're done. If God's love doesn't cover your life, it's finished. I mean, no matter what you accomplish in this earth, it doesn't mean anything. But the second thing potentially can happen is you can experience condemnation. And so many people, I watch it year after year. I've been doing this for over 20 years. People come to church, and they give their life to Christ. And God starts working their life. And then they start having problems. And and then they fall back. And, oh, God, I can't. Next thing you know, they just start drifting away. And the enemy of their soul just heaps condemnation. And they feel ashamed. And the other day, I saw a woman who had been to church here for many years. And she stopped coming. And and I just said, you know, we love you. I said, we love you. We're not here judging you. We're, we love you. God wants you back. Welcome back. And she goes, oh, I know, Babs, but I got this. I got, you know, God loves you. See, when you come, you put yourself in a position to receive from God. When you come into a place where people are worshiping God, you're putting yourself in a place where the presence of God can melt the hardness and the weariness of your life and the concerns and the cares of the burdens of of this world. And as you begin to sing and as you begin to worship and as you begin to declare the goodness of your God, His love flows over you. You see this morning, love compensates for your sins. God wiped out the charges that were against him for disobeying his law. He took them away and he nailed them to the cross. He nailed them to the cross. Love covers your sins. It literally removes them from you. It buries them in the sea of forgiveness. The second thing that it means is that we have the ability to let other people off the hook. Love covering a multitude of sins literally means that not only when you sin, you're forgiven, but now you have the ability to forgive other people. A person's maturity is really measured by their ability to just forgive other people. Literally, your maturity as a human being is measured by your ability just to like let it roll off like a d- water off a duck's back people that are easily offended, that are sensitive to every word that someone says, and people walking around feel like they're on eggshells. That's not a very mature person. See a mature person, just, you know what, man, you just chalk it up. You just say, you know what, I bless them. You know, I, I didn't know what kind of day they were having. The, the reality is you don't know where someone else is right at this moment, and you don't know how they got there. This, this week, my wife and I were talking about someone that used to attend our church, and And I just started thinking about this person's life, and they'd had a lot of pain, a lot of pain in their life. And and I began to think about that person, and and I used to think about them differently. I used to have, you know, why can't they just pull themselves up? Come on, why can't they just figure it out? Why can't they just get it right? Come on. You you know, you want to just, come on, just smack them up. Come on, just, you know, get it right. And they never could seem to quite do it. And this week, as I was thinking about this message, I I just thought, you know, I really don't know where they've been. I don't know all the circumstances and events that brought them to the place where they were at. And my just telling them to get it together just didn't work. It just didn't work. See, what they needed to know is that someone loved them. It's amazing. There was a woman that Jesus cast devils out of that had been involved in prostitution and sexual immorality. And when she came to Jesus, the disciples tried to push her away. But there she was at Jesus' feet and she was weeping. She was weeping. She was washing with her tears his feet. And they were trying to, come on, you know, you're touching the master. And Jesus said, listen, guys, she's been forgiven much, loves much. The greater the forgiveness of the individual, the greater their one, their understanding of who they are and their love for God. And so when you love God, you saying, God, I'm just going to forgive I'm going to release forgiveness. You can, you're not God. You can't see everything that brought that person to the point where they made the decisions that they made. Love covers, hate exposes. Love covers, hate exposes. You know, the bottom line for me is that I am far from perfect. As a matter of fact, I struggle with fear, doubt, anger, and lust, just like every other man I have to choose to serve, to love the Lord, just like every other person. Is it easy? Yes and no. It's easy to say that I love God. It isn't always easy to walk out that I love God. You see, it's a choice. Love is not an emotional feeling. And so many people are twisted up, waiting for the emotion to hit them, to do the next thing that God wants them to do. Love is a choice, and I'm going to serve God today. Do we love emotion? Yes. Do we love feeling? Yes. Do we love to worship God and get into his presence and shout and lift our voice? Yes. But if we live for that emotional experience, it will dissipate quickly. You see, what will hold you is knowing that God loves you. You see, why do we love? Love reverberates forever. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 13. These three things will continue forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. People will never remember you for your wealth. They'll never remember you for your work. They'll remember you for your love. People will remember you for your love. The kind of love that you demonstrated to other people. Lust takes Love gives. Several years ago, a group of people from City Church went to Pascagoula, Mississippi. I never even knew there was such a place as Pascagoula. I can actually even say the name now, Pascagoula. Pascagoula, Mississippi. It was in the wake of Katrina, and we took a busload, one of those giant greyhound-sized busloads full of supplies and, and people and raised some money between our church and another church. And we went there to help people out in need. And I remember we pulled into Pascagoula. Pascagoula was as far as the national... uh, The the national patrol was allowing people to 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 go they weren't allowing people to go into Biloxi or to into, into New Orleans and and they stopped us there in Pascagoula and we made a contact with a local church and and we got there and we were you know we were checking out the the wreckage it was really a pretty unbelievable sight the the really the damage didn't come so much like you know here in Florida the damage didn't come as much from the wind as from the water and there were five there was 5 feet of water that went 5 miles inland 5 miles inland and everything in its way i mean cars literally hundreds of thousands of cars were submerged in water and houses and and the very first day that we got there there was a group of us we t- jumped into some vehicles and 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 we drove down to the waterfront where there had been homes that had withstood hurricane after hurricane literally for over 200 years Homes that had been built in the 1700s, homes that no longer were there—they were literally wiped away, washed off their foundation. It was such an emotional feel. I can't tell you. It was just—it was just sad, just to see literally this massive destruction as this wall of water had come in off the ocean and just wiped out everything in its path. I was walking down this main street. I remember as I was walking down the main street on the waterfront there, where there used to be houses, where there were no more houses. I, I just looked down, and there was somebody's life. It was a wedding album. It was just laying in the middle of the street. I looked down. I was like, "Wow!" I literally, I just started crying. I was so emo. I was so taken, overtaken with emotion. I thought there was someone's life. It was literally just laying out for the whole world to see they will never have another picture to look at. But they will have love. It was amazing to watch. I mean, there were many, many families, many, many, many families displaced. There were great acts of love that were demonstrated. Don't kid yourself. It was an amazing time to watch the church of the Lord Jesus Christ arise. I mean, people were complaining about the government not being quick enough. I'm telling you, Christian churches and org- Christian missions and organizations from around America were in Mississippi. They were in New Orleans. I mean, they were there ministering to people. They were giving food. They were giving aid. They were giving water. Churches were open. People were sleeping in churches. It was an amazing demonstration of love. You see, love is going to reverberate through heaven. Two things. things. You see, the first thing God's going to say to you, he's going to say, did you love my son, Jesus? Did you really love him? Did you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength? You see, he's not going to ask you if you were a Muslim. He's not going to ask you if you were a Buddhist. He's not going to ask you if you are a Pentecostal, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic. He's not going to ask you if you were part of a religious organization. He's going to look at you and say, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Did you love him with all your heart? Did you love him with all your soul? Did you love him with all your strength? And if you can't pass that question, there's no entrance into heaven's glory. You see, it's really simple. It's really simple. Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship. And true believers always demonstrate God's love in real and practical ways. Someone said amen. He's going to say, what would you do with Jesus. He's not going to get tripped up in all the nuances and the theology and the little boxes. You see, God's going to look at him and say, what did you do with my son, Jesus? That's the question. What is is your answer? And if you don't have the right answer, it's don't pass, go. You see, there's a heaven, there's a hell. And then the second thing he's going to ask you is, what did you do to the least of these? How did you demonstrate a life of love On this planet. How did you do? There's going to be a lot of tears. There is going to be an end day. There's going to come a judgment day. It's real, it's truth. The things that you do for Christ in this life matter. And as a matter of fact, they are the only things that will last. The other day, up on Facebook, one of the girls that my wife went to Bible college with many years ago. She was talking about how that she had gone down to the local Walmart, and she was just sitting on the bench there at Walmart and talking to people as they came by about the Lord. And she just said, I'm, my pastor, my pastor asked us this week to go out and find somebody to bring them to church, and so I was just trying to find somebody. And she was talking about, as she saw people walking by, that she had this overwhelming sense of God's love for them. And the people started posting and started blogging, you know, they're so proud of her, and And this one girl that's kind of in our circle, that's a friend of my little sister's. I've never met her, but she's got a lot of anger and bitterness. And she's just really, you know, she's pretty vitriolic on there. And it's really cool to watch how these other Christians that are on Facebook try to minister to this girl. And they don't even know her, but they're trying to minister God's love to her. And I just posted on there, I said, Lisa, I'm so proud of you. I said, the greatest evangelist that I ever knew, that I've ever known in my life, was my mom. Because my mom didn't just do it for one week or two week or three week. My mom, every single Saturday, every single week for 20, 25 years, I don't even know. The whole time I was growing up, my mom, every single week went out and knocked on doors and invited people to church. She had this little booklet that she carried around and had some kind of like a, it was like a little kid's folder they used for school. And she had a list of all the people's names in her community that she had met over the years. And she'd go every single week and say, the bus is going to come. If you want to come, you know, we'll be here at such and such time. We'll pick you up. Wednesday night, the Brawl Ranger program, Missionette program, starts at 7 o'clock Sunday morning. And she did it every single week. You know, sometimes our focus gets so twisted and backwards. And I watched her. She went through cancer and she went through chemotherapy and she went through surgeries and all these things. And I remember one time I went to her house and I said, Mom, what are you doing? And, and literally, my mom was, she was literally on her deathbed, and she's trying to get herself out of bed so she could crawl over the telephone. Because she couldn't go out and knock on doors any longer because cancer had emaciated her body. But she was still making her phone calls. So that's love. That's not doing it for anybody else but for God. And when I went to the funeral, and I preached my mom's funeral, and there was a man that came. I remember so clear this guy had come. It was a man that had, had sent his kids on the bus ministry. And he had started coming to church and he got saved and now he was pastoring a church himself. And he said, I just want to thank you for having a great mom. He said, It was love. Love compels us to action, love covers a multitude of sins. Love will reverberate all throughout heaven. You see, the second law that best expresses Our our, our love is time. John says it like this. We must show love through actions that are sincere and not through empty words. Your treasure. The greatest treasure that you have is your undivided time. The time that you give to your children. For dads, this is really difficult because sometimes we're so focused on the goal. At least I am. I'm so focused on growing the church and reaching more people that I can forget my own children. And I'm telling you, I've been guilty of it at times. And the Holy Spirit has spoke to me. I've got to redirect my focus. i got to redirect my priorities. Guys, you come home, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're weary, you just want to kind of relax and, you know, turn on the TV or read the paper. And, and your kids just want you to talk to them. Mom, God's saying, listen, the most important thing you have is your family and dedicating yourself to loving and to serving them and to giving them your time, working with them on their homework, and my kids, they don't want me to help them with their homework, and my boys are here, they'd say, Amen. I have to go hire somebody to help them with their homework because I didn't do too good in school. But but what they're looking for your time. Expression of love. What is your time worth? There's a guy named Zhao Dengyang, who from who is from Hong Kong. This last year, he paid $2.1 million to have lunch for one hour with a man by the name of Warren Buffett. He paid $2.1 million to have lunch with the greatest investor the world has ever known. And when they were asking him, do you think it was worth it? He goes, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. To have one hour with Warren Buffett undivided to talk to him about investments? Absolutely. He viewed time as valuable. Time is the greatest value, the greatest asset that you have. And how do you demonstrate that time? You demonstrate it through your words and through your actions. You can do that now. You see, we can can talk about it. We can conceptualize it. We can watch it on a video like we're going to do in small groups this week. We can write about it. We can read about it. We can sing about it. But it's not until we do it that it really makes an impact in our life. You can do it right now. You can demonstrate love. Now it's the third law. We don't have to wait to love. We can do it today. We can do it this afternoon. A couple of weeks ago, a woman in our church really had a great burden. Had a great burden to demonstrate love in a practical way. She didn't tell any anybody else about it, but she came and she said, "Pastor, can I do this?" I said, "Of course, of course you can do this." I want you to hear a letter that Dave Stewart's going to read of a, a person in our church who demonstrated love. And a now faction.
2: Uh, this letter is in response uh, to that action to the pastor, associates, and all the workers at City Church that provided food out of the food pantry for me to have. It was really a blessing for you, you all to bring it to me. I didn't have any food, and the fact that you guys brought it by, I just wanted to thank you. I get twenty-six dollars a month in food stamps. And that doesn't go very far. I'm a 79-year-old widow, and I live by myself. You guys are an angel from God. I like to ask if you guys are going to be giving out boxes for Thanksgiving. The reason is I have three grandchildren that want to come see me at Thanksgiving. And I want to have a few things to fix for them. They're three, seven, and eight. They're all boys. I don't have any way to pick it up. I don't drive. I'm disabled, and I'm on a walker. I need people to help me get around. It would be greatly appreciated if I could have some food to make for my family. I want to thank the ladies of the church that brought me the food this past Saturday. Paul
1: the Apostle says that whatever our hands find to do, do it with all of our might. To demonstrate love whenever we have the opportunity to do it now. Opportunities are before us opportunities are before you, starting with your own family, starting with your own children, your own relationship with your spouse. We said last week that every week we're going to have a homework assignment, and your homework assignment this week is really simple. Two things. First, I want you, dad, mom, young person, and your life, your family, your home, you know God's speaking to you about this air relationship. We are so busy, uh, Daniel and Randy Priest, who got married last week, are back. To, I think this is your first Sunday, right, as a married couple. Let's give Daniel and uh, Daniel and Randy a great big hand. Last week, uh, this morning, I told them, I said, you know, back in Old Testament times, the guys got a year off from work. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody, yeah, year off. Everybody want to get married then, man, get a year off. But we don't do that anymore. But we're so busy, we have so many things. So much to do. And God just says, I want you to focus. Focus your what you put your attention, what you put your time on, what you put your words to and your actions will begin to grow in your life. And it first starts in our home. It starts in our relationships with our spouses and with our children. And then we can demonstrate. We can allow that love of God that came from Calvary to flow through us to touch a world that so desperately needs it. And the second thing that I'm going to ask you to do this week is to attend to 40-day small group. You see, the heart of God is for you to learn but also to live. And there's something that happens when you get into the, the dynamic of a home. Last night I had our church, the prayer meeting, pray for my neighbor. I'm going to invite my neighbor to our small group. You see, there's something that happens when we start meeting in homes and start sharing with one another and get to know one another outside the context of a building. You see, because church isn't a building. Church is about relationships. And life and love is all about relationships. And the doctor of love is speaking to you this morning. And the doctor of love wants you to know that I want your best life for the rest of your life to be right now. I want your best life for the rest of your life to be now.
0: Thanks for listening to this message, Love Matters Most, with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.